Stuff Podcasts. Warning. This podcast deals with racism, so expect explicit language. My name is Malani Anai, but my real name is Lupi Matasila Misotovevi, Dr. Malani Anai, QSO. I'm an Associate Professor at the University of Auckland in Pacific Studies, and I'm still a Polynesian Panther. You know, nothing much has changed. That's what makes me sad, saddest. We're still at the bottom of the heap. Even today, Associate Professor, so what? still get those looks. The Polynesians came to New Zealand about 60 years ago. Only 60. You are a late arrival. If you love your culture so much, go back to the islands. Your mother arrived in an airplane, a seaplane. Did she become an overstayer? A wahine Māori has caught a racist landlord red-handed after she was rejected for a property and then reapplied with a Western name. A Samoan couple say Oranga Tamariki gave them less than 48 hours notice that their foster daughter of almost a year would be uplifted. They say they've tried repeatedly to apply to be the permanent foster parents for the six-year-old foster daughter but were told by a supervisor that they couldn't apply because they weren't white. Maori are Stone Age people from a Stone Age culture and I'm not interested one bit and neither have my children been interested in their Stone Age culture. Your children need to get used to their Stone Age culture because if their Stone Age culture doesn't change, these people will come through your bathroom window. Exactly. Exactly, Richard. So uh, thanks for the call. This is the home of Eagle Brewing. Today, its owner and brewer has put himself in the national spotlight. It's all linked to this comment he left on the One News Facebook page. The businessman writing, Māori are the scourge of New Zealand, saying the quicker we put them in prison, the better. All the Polynesian children up in Auckland, they get well looked after. Well looked after, who pays? The European hard worker who came here so many such years ago. They're all universities. Don't put us down, you ridiculous woman. You ridiculous woman. Will Ilulahi, former chairman of the Polynesian Panther Party, and now a retired grandfather. Today, uh, people still get called certain names, still uh, are not looked as a fellow human being, still in large percentage of our people being systematically put in the category of failures at school, filling our prisons. Meanwhile, Stats New Zealand has just released the latest official child poverty figures and the data showed that poverty rates for Māori and Pacific children were higher across almost all measures compared with children in other demographics. My name is Alec Tolliafua. I am a Polynesian Panther, an educator, proud Samoan. Today, I'm, I'm still interested in questions of injustice. And even though I'm retired, I find myself doing way more work in that direction than any other time in my life. Right now, Pacifica history is optional. I think there needs to be 
a greater focus within the curriculum on our own stories uh, told by our own people. There's also the colonial history of New Zealand, which is not being taught. How, for example, some 140 years after the Treaty of Waitangi signed, that Māori is now an official language, 1985. And even after it's been elevated to the position it should always have been, people are still being put down because they're speaking Te Reo Māori. Excuse me, I'm really you a welcome. I'm Wayne Toliafoa. I was the Minister of Information for the Panthers and I'm now a Minister of the Church. The shooting in the mosques are motivated by racism, totally motivated by racism. We know that this is against everything that is good in this world, to hate people that much that you're going to take a gun and go and shoot them. They're just like us. They came here looking for a better life and uh, a good education for their children. They face all the racism. They face the misunderstanding of people. Ever since I came to New Zealand, I have had consistent experiences of um, not fitting in, really. That pull me with my headscarf and just like pull it off and push me down the stairs because I had long kilts on. I always just minimalised it because I thought that was the norm because everyone kind of made it the norm. It's just continued ever since into my adult years and can be a daily occurrence if I pay attention to it as well. Tingilo Ness, former Minister of Fine Arts, but now I am a grandfather, a musician and still a protester for truth and justice in Aotearoa, New Zealand. My niece, her son was pulled up by a teacher, a man of a grammar, and he was suspended. And she came to me and, and, and told me. She ended up going in front of the school board. The teacher didn't think that should go that far. The headmaster didn't think that should go that far. She was in another Pacific Island, you know. She defended her son. She went in front of the school board and said that this teacher had picked on my son, etc., etc. He was reinstated back in the school. Then two young newer, they came to me and told me the same story, what happened to me. Their son, one had a man bun and he was called up to the office and told, you know, get a haircut and stuff. I said, wow, that's still going on at Mount Albert Grammar. It's a co-ed school now. You, you know, they've come so far and great. And how come this is still going on? When I talked to these mums, I told them that my mum didn't defend me. She couldn't defend me, but you can defend your sons. Our families are part of a long line of people born and bred in the small islands of the South Pacific. But in the 1950s, our parents looked for a new life in Aotearoa, making us the first generation of New Zealand-born Pacific Islanders. But later, in the 1970s, when the economy faced challenges, some New Zealanders started to see our presence as a problem. Newspaper headlines claimed we were violent and dangerous. And the government said we took Kiwis jobs. The government wanted us out. 
Like the Black Panther movement in the United States, we decided to seize the time. It was time to be heard. It was time to mobilise. It was time to fight back. We formed a Polynesian Panther Party. Our aim was to strike at the core of racism and provide a voice for our community. But leading our people to fight for a fair and just society wasn't without sacrifice. This is our history. These are our words. Well, since 1981, I have trained for the Presbyterian Ministry of New Zealand. It was incredible work because it involved working with the street community. I fell into the situation of a normal life. I was doing university part-time. Uh, after my master's, I had a phone call from one of my lecturers who said, Milani, are you thinking about doing a PhD? And I said, no. He says, well, I think you should. But that activism was still in my blood, and I was able to combine those in doing a really beautiful PhD thesis about New Zealand-born Samoan identity journeys, because a lot of our young people are struggling with identity. It took me my whole life to work that out, what a secured identity is. Um, so I wanted to create a shortcut for New Zealand-born generations. In 1981, I returned to train for the ministry of the Presbyterian Church, went to a, a parish in um, North Otago. They'd never seen a Samoan before, and I'd never worked in a farming community before. I was an army chaplain for four years, and then went into the Navy as a naval chaplain. My contact with activism had a lot to do with my movements going forward. The two key points in my ministry are justice and love. Justice and love are always a, a themes in my preaching, if you like, or themes in my own personal belief. Activism had given me experiences to actually do it outside the norm. I've done things outside the norm to achieve success. After the Panthers, I kind of moved into the music industry and managed a, uh, a band called Herbs and we did tours around the uh, uh, Asian Pacific. Because I exiled myself to Tonga after the Springboks tour, I went to Tonga and then I realised that Tongans uh, should be playing league, so I started rugby league in Tonga. That was in 86, and now we're number four in the world. I facilitate a parenting programme out in South Auckland. It's a programme that was first developed in Edinburgh, and it was brought here by now Dr. Lynn Doherty Fowler, who was and is a Polynesian Panther member. I was asked to go out and role model for young fathers whose uh, role models out there at the time, and still are, I suppose, were gangs. And I know it works because, you know, the, the focus is on their children. I know that babies and children have survived and I'm happy about that. I still um, keep active, uh, like going to the marching on the protest for immigrants who were deported. And it was held at the church in Ponsonby Road. 
So 50 years later, um, we're protesting at the same church, but uh, over a different immigration matter. There was a, a, a young girl. Her parents were being deported, but she was born here. So I looked at that and I saw that the girl would be an asset to this country and here she was being deported. I would like to know where that child is now because I believe if they had been allowed to stay in New Zealand, she would be an asset. Given the right opportunity and support and chance and all of that, she might even end up being prime minister of this country. And what a loyal and grateful citizen she would be. We are going for a, an official apology from the government um, over the dawn raids that happened in the 70s. We are now seeking justice for what happened to our people during the dawn raids. This is also a continuum of our, of our activism today. Today, Cabinet has agreed to make a formal government apology in relation to the Dawn Raids. The Dawn Raids period is a defining one in New Zealand's history and is particularly significant to Pacific peoples. To this day, many members of our Pacific community still struggle to talk about their experiences during that period. Police also conducted random stops and checks which required any person on request to produce their passport or permit if there was good cause to suspect an immigration-related offence. This was exploited to racially profile those who were suspected of being overstayers. Pacific peoples, Māori and other people of colour were randomly stopped in the street, at churches and schools and in other public places. And while we cannot change our history, we can acknowledge it and we can seek to right a wrong. Dawn Raids, Polynesian Panthers, it's their 50th anniversary. They've been active in seeking this apology. What would you say to them? I'll be joining with them on Saturday and just be there and listen to the, um, to the discussion and tell them all about this. And probably they'll remind us, educate to liberate. Thank you, everyone. I think the apology will go a long way in, in healing the, the open wound of um, the experiences of our families and our people during the dawn raids. And um, it'll make a new start for us to own our history uh, and to move forward uh, in, in a healing capacity um, so that we can make sure this will never, ever happen to any ethnic group in New Zealand in the future. Keep up to date with stuff.co.nz. Two days after Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern announced an apology for the dawn raids of the 1970s, Stuff reveals the tactic of early morning raids is still in use. In the year to May 2021, immigration officials raided 223 private addresses before 7am. Polynesian Panthers co-founder Will Ilalahia is urging the government to change its immigration laws 
He wants a clear pathway for Pacifica overstayers to remain legally in New Zealand. He says the cost of tracking down overstayers would outweigh the administration burden of allowing them to remain. When I was five years old, Immigration New Zealand tried to deport me and my parents back to China because my parents' visas had expired and they had become overstayers. I always had to be the one to translate any kind of documents or letters they'd received because their English wasn't too great. And I ended up being the person that had to tell my parents that they were being deported and there was nothing we could do about it. They were not able to deport me because I had my rights. As a child as well, I didn't really have a full understanding of what was going on. I didn't really understand what being deported was. Coming up to 18, it's just the lingering thought that immigration might, come, might be coming back to take my mother away. Again, leaving me alone in New Zealand with no other relatives or close family that I can rely on. What we're telling kids and young people to do is stand up whenever you see racism. Whenever you feel racism, stand up, call it out. They need to be working towards eradicating this beast. Now, this beast aren't white racists. It is racism. And it's something we can't do on our own. We have to do it with like-minded people. The next generation, they've got to do the same things that we were doing when we were teenagers. And that's when you see something that's not right. Speak up, stand up and speak. It's about supporting those people who uh, have become victims as well. 2010, Otahu College was the first school to bring me up and say, look, we're doing um, a history um, component on the Polynesian Panthers and Dawn Raids. Would you like to come to our school? And so that started our uh, modern Educate to Liberate Panthers rap program. The idea originates from the Black Panthers. This is not stuff you just get in any history book. Why this is liberating is because we no longer have to believe in the Disney version as being the only narrative, the Disney version of our own history. Why do you have to wait till you get to university before you even have a chance to learn any of this, if you get to university? Maybe in time we will see a change in attitudes because the revolution has been here. One of the most promising signs of this was I see these two blonde, blue-eyed tamariki. They're just playing together while their parents are having a chat. And then it's time to go. They just look at each other and go, kaki like it's just nothing. It's just normal now to say that. And that's, I guess, um, the, a glimpse of what the future can be. When you have news speaking Māori at the same time speaking Pālangi, that's major. Kia ora, good evening. Morena, kia ora, everybody. Tēra koutou katoa. Kia ora, good evening. Kei te whakarunga mai koe, ki te reo, irirangi o Aotearoa. And those little things, I get little buzzes about. Was the sacrifice worth it? I think all of us understood the risks that we were facing. And I think just somehow intuitively we knew that if on account of those risks we did nothing, nothing would change. It was worth it. It was worth every single pain, every single deprivation, every single time we were called names by our own people and by the public, and it was worth all of that. When I was convicted and imprisoned for fighting for what I think is justice, you know, against apartheid, 
I get convicted and made to feel guilty? When I hit a, a wall that's prison, I had to, to search deep to find that strength to carry on. Um, otherwise, the guilt factor, you know, having been found by the justice system in Aotearoa of being guilty of rioting and fighting against the government, um, I had to, to confront that and believe that what I had done was staying on the right side. And now, years later, uh, having met Nelson Mandela, who came to thank us that were imprisoned, I realised that I was on the right side, and I still am. Um, otherwise, you know, the system would have crushed me, I'm sure. Because you, you feel alone, and you think, well, people have forgotten already, but I know that God exists, and I know He understands. So I just throw myself at the mercy of God. Like as how it says in our national anthem, in the bonds of love we meet, God defend New Zealand. I'm feeling that, yeah. It was really worth the sacrifice. We would never have thought that in our Panther days that we would be doing what we're doing this 50 years later and, and are, are changing young people's lives in terms of, you know, um, empowering them with knowledge. You know, and really reinforcing what our, why our parents migrated to New Zealand in the first place was for education. Knowledge is power. And in our um, Samoan cultures, you know, our orators, they learned such huge knowledge bases. Um, so it's within us. And it's within us to be proud of who we are. It was a major sacrifice on my part with my children. Overall, I, I, I'm glad that I did what I did with the groups that I work with. Um, as I sit here in the 70, as 70, um, I'm trying to catch up with my children and my muggles. Uh, so maybe that's why I'm still alive. God's given me a chance to amend. Are you happy? Not really. Why? The damage that has uh, happened to, to myself with my whanau and the uh, reputation I've got now. People don't hire me because they know I'm a stirrer. Uh, and I found out in my life, they always, they said, oh, that's Will, you know. Uh, my character has been defined for me and I don't agree with it, but I'm, apparently I'm a, I'm a person out there that goes forth, does things, uh, don't worry about the damage, probably a bit of a bully uh, and those are the kind of reputations that I've now got to live with. But it, I don't think it, it wasn't me personally. It was because those are the things I needed to do for the revolution. Yeah, I think I'm happy, you know, that I... I um, the thing that makes me happy probably is my... is uh, people, you know, my family. Uh, the fact that I... Haven't done too much that's bad. <laughs> I think, as I say, if I look back on my life, I think I've had a very good life. 
I was so lucky to be in the Navy, so lucky to be in the Army, so lucky to be in the police, so lucky to have been in the Panthers. <laughs> you know, and so, just so fortunate to be in those places. Joining the Panthers saved my life because I was going down a bad pathway. You know, I started to be critical and just, you know, agnostic. Everything just went flip for me after that, that personal tragedy. It gave me hope and it gave me a reason to fight back. I was not going to fight back. I was just going to just let life run over me. But that gave me my voice and it gave me a chance to help my people. What makes me happy? That my family is happy, that my kids are happy. I don't care where I am, what I'm doing, as long as I am with family and make it and that they are happy and I'll go out of my way to make them happy, especially my mokos. I'm grateful, you know, I'm still alive to see um, a lot of the work um, that we've done as Polynesian Panthers and as New Zealanders, um, you know, have um, helped make this country a better place. A lot of my time is uh, filled up with um, my grandchildren, all nine of them, for the children of the future. I, I hope I've been um, a positive role model in their journey in life. What makes me happy, well in short, a fishing line and a good fishing, fishing area. But I think what makes me happy is when I look back uh, at my own history, and I, there have been just moments of clarity along, along the way. Um, they have kind of affirmed that what I, what I have been involved in has been useful and purposeful. And just this morning, we were in front of a school doing our Educate to Liberate. Someone asked us, what is the best part of being a panther? And I said, now is the best part of being a panther. Because we can now tell you our stories. And here we are standing in front of you, a Decile 10 school, talking about what happened in Decile 1 back then. And we have no fear of being arrested. We have no fear of, of being exposed to any racial epithets or anything like that. And just to watch the young people and their thirst to know about our own history of activism, that to me is the biggest, biggest satisfaction of seeing that. And it's what makes me happy today is that. My name is Alec Toliofor. Once a panther, always a panther. My name is Milani Anai. Once a panther, always a panther. I'm Wayne Toliafoa. Once a panther, always a panther. Will Ilola here. Once a panther, always a panther. Tingilo Ness. Once a panther, always a panther.
Once a Panther is a stuff podcast written, produced, mixed and edited by Alex Liu and Brad Flayhive. Additional creative input by Stuff's podcast director Adam Dudding. Original music by Andrew Faliatua. Executive produced by Carol Hirschfeld. If you want to know more, head to stuff.co.nz forward slash oncepanther, where you'll find links to every episode, as well as photos, artwork, and feature articles. If you're listening on Apple, don't forget to give Once a Panther a five-star rating and review. It helps other listeners find us. This episode included audio from TVNZ and Radio New Zealand. This podcast was made possible with help from New Zealand On Air. Adam Dudding here, Stuff's podcast director. If you're enjoying this podcast, how about contributing to the Stuff supporter program? You can contribute any amount you choose, and you can do it just once, or monthly, or annually. Direct support from people like you helps us produce the kind of journalism you're listening to right now. Go to stuff.co.nz forward slash support.